Welcome to Adaptify. I'm Mike, I'm a paraplegic from New Zealand, and it's my mission to find the Adaptifiers of the world. People who have overcome challenges and found new, creative, interesting ways to be free despite needing to use a wheelchair for their mobility. Hey everyone, welcome back. Thanks for joining me. Before I introduce today's guest, the lap stackers are now shipping. Go and grab yours at adaptify.com slash lapstacker. If you enter the coupon code adaptifier, you'll get 10% off. Go to adaptify.com and check it all out. Today's adaptifier is Hannah Gavios. Hannah's a New Yorker who, when she was young, was traveling through Southeast Asia by herself. Unfortunately, she found herself in a situation where she was being attacked. She outrun the attacker, but managed to fall down a cliff in the process, breaking her back. Oh man, such a tragic story. Her attacker came after her again. Hannah, how on earth did you get through this situation? I'm really keen to talk to you today about this and how you've managed to break free from the trauma associated with this and adaptify and come through and lead an amazing life. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you for sharing your experiences with us today and uh, for sharing your knowledge. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Pleasure to be on your show. Hey, so where about to you right now, Hannah, just for our listeners? So on the map, I am in Astoria, Queens in New York City. And how are things there right now? Um, things are pretty good here. A lot of bars and restaurants are open. Actually, some bars are like losing their liquor license here because there's like crowds of hundreds of people outside. Um, yeah, actually, my neighborhood was on the news. I just remembered. So um, the media has brought you know a lot of attention to my neighborhood, and they're finally you know starting to crack down a little bit. Um, but you know, for the most part, it's pretty good. Like it's beautiful weather and, you know, we're just enjoying the sunshine and, um, you know, wearing masks and stuff, keeping it safe. And, um, I like to go outside and go for runs and, you know, just make the most out of my time while I can. Uh, that's great to hear. So you're saying that your neighborhood's a bit rowdy because people are, well, they're just not sort of, uh, obeying the, uh, you know, the, guidelines for COVID-19 and they're just maybe restless is that is that what you're saying a little bit like people just want to party here and you know the <laughs> bar just to make money so a lot of them break the rules they've broken the rules like even during the apex but nobody really noticed until now oh wow do you think people are enjoying their outdoors more through lockdown um, I think so because a lot of the gyms are closed. So, um, people have no other choice, but to like work out outside or, uh, you know, do like socially distance yoga. Um, but I think a lot of people are also taking advantage of zoom and doing a lot of fitness classes through that platform. Um, so yeah, we're all like finding creative ways. A lot of people are like, Oh, I don't, I'm not as strong anymore. I gain weight because quarantine messed me up, like the gym's closed. So people like to make excuses too. Uh, so at the end of the day, like it really comes down to the type of person you are. Like, are you going to like let external factors control your life or 
are you going to take ownership of yourself despite anything that happens? Oh, yeah. Well, we can talk some more about that. And that's precisely why we have you on the podcast today. Uh, It's it's all about mental attitude and uh, mindset, for sure. Um, I'm really curious to know a little bit about uh, about your you know your childhood and, and your life uh, growing up. Um, yeah, what um, what can you share with us? Sure. So um, I grew up in a very artistic family. My mom is a painter. My sister is a graphic designer, and um, I kind of followed her footsteps a little bit. Um, we both went to the fame school, LaGuardia High School. And it's not the airport, not the community college, which people mix it up with. Um, it's actually like a specialized high school that you have to apply to get accepted to. And um, it's located right next to Lincoln Center. I'm not sure if you know where that is in New York City, but um, it's just known for like all like the jazz performances and you know the dances, things like that. So um, it was just really like an incredible experience. I got to be around a lot of um, hardworking people. Um, a lot of interesting people. And um, then I went to college for graphic design at FIT. And I was working a little bit in that field, but then I decided to travel to Southeast Asia because uh, I wanted to help people. And I also wanted more adventure in my life. So I was just reaching for something bigger and better. Was that your first trip overseas outside of the, the continental USA? Um, no, um, my last, uh, year in college, I studied abroad in England, which was amazing. Like I was having such a dreadful college experience. Like I wasn't really making any friends. So I was like super grateful for the opportunity to study abroad and just like kind of like escape from reality for a short little period of time. Um, (laughs) so I've always just been interested in other cultures and, um, different types of people. Have you been able to put your finger on why you were, you were struggling at at college here? Was there anything in particular? Um, well, I went to college like in the heart of New York and it's, it's like a commuter school. So there's not like a lot of activity to do on campus and, uh, People like, you know, they're just, they just go there to uh, study and a lot of us pulled all-nighters. So yeah, people were kind of grumpy and competitive and especially like in the design field, um, you're always going to like be critiquing others or trying to be better than the person next to you. So it just was very like a cold environment and um, part of it was my fault because I had a boyfriend the first year. So I wasn't like really making the effort to make friends in the beginning. And it was like a cohort, uh, style, uh, program. So I guess like the group started forming early on. And by the time, like I was single and like, you know, available to meet more people, <laughs> people just sort of like closed the doors, you know, that quickly, but it's okay though, because you live and learn through every experience. And um, now, like, I'm just, like, a lot more confident and I don't care what people think, you know. I always felt, like, judged by others and I always cared about, like, what others thought of me. But now, like, I don't really live to please other people anymore. Most importantly, I want to please myself. And I think that's how you attract like-minded people in your life. 
Oh, I like that. I really like that. I'm curious to know how you came to that realization, but I'm sure we'll get to that uh, after we yeah. learn about your your accident. Um, I'm sure that has something to do with it, but uh, but by all means, correct me as if I'm wrong. So right. Southeast Asia having having a great time, soaking yeah. up the you know the rich culture, the the smells and the sights and the sounds, meeting interesting people. Um, I guess maybe having having a, a real sense of freedom uh, in your life. Yes. So tell us about that trip and and the fate that um, uh, that happened during that trip. Oh, like how it led to me getting injured. Yeah, totally. Tell us about so that. I had like complete freedom. I mean, the best part of traveling alone is you get to do whatever you want. Like no one's holding you back. If you want to just take a bus to Cambodia, you can take a bus to Cambodia. Like, you know, <laughs> so that was really like the beauty of the experience is just like living on my own terms. Like I never really had that type of freedom growing up. You know, my parents are a little bit strict and they didn't even want me to go to Asia. Like my mom was crying for days and, <laughs> but I had to, you know, do what I wanted. I had to do like what my like heart and soul was, you know, begging for and so that's what I did. And it was so beautiful. Like it was just, you know, the mountains, the trees, uh, the nature. Um, I got to drive a motorbike and it was like my first time driving anything. I, I didn't even have a, like, a car license at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't get my driver's license um, until like last December. So yeah, I'm a New Yorker. We don't need to drive but it's an important skill to have and I eventually want a car. Um, but yeah, like total independence, total sense of freedom. Um, I was in Southeast Asia for about three and a half months altogether. And I started working in Vietnam randomly. I was, I thought I was going to work in Thailand, but <laughs> Vietnam just happened. And I was there for a month. And I was really stressed. Like, I really wanted just uh, a break from everything that I was doing, teaching from 8 o'clock in the morning till 6 p.m. or later, sometimes until 9 p.m., um, and then spending extra time in my free time lesson planning. It was a lot. And, like, I really wanted to, like, help people and not just teach from the book. I wanted to find um, just creative ways to um, inspire others to learn the language and so I had these wacky ideas where one day, like, I brought vegetables into the classroom and I had half the students be the merchants and the other half students be the buyers. And um, I was teaching them the concept of haggling. And so um, I gave, <laughs> like, fake Vietnamese dollars. And, um, like, for example, I would make the bananas 40 dong, but I would only give the student 20 dong. So he had to like haggle the price down in English. So I wanted to like, you know, um, like have fun activities, games, like things that could like really engage the students, not just like reading, you know, boring textbooks that mm. nobody really understands. So um, I needed a break. I wanted to go to Thailand, um, back to Thailand to find peace and just to meditate, maybe do some yoga, do some artwork, um, just find, you know, some freedom in my, within my thoughts. So the complete opposite ended up happening while I was there. Whereas I arrived, it took me like 19 hours because I was, you know, 
like living in the middle of nowhere in Vietnam where there was no airport. <laughs> and um, when I got there, I, you know, put my, I checked into like some cheap $5 bungalow because that's all the money I had. And uh, I went to get some food, which was on the other side of the beach. And then when I came back, it was dark and I got a little bit lost because I was trying to find like the way to get through the woods instead of the tide since it was um, getting higher. Mm. And I like asked for directions and some guide like took me through the woods, um, offered to take me back, but instead um, tried to, you know, assault me. So uh, he like pinned me down and tried to take off my clothes. And then I started fighting him and I didn't know any martial arts. Like I, like I'm, I'm a feisty bitch, but I, <laughs> didn't know how to defend myself properly. So I just did like whatever I could. Like I scratched him, I bit him, like I punched him and he wouldn't let go of me. And it was so scary and he was so ugly. And um, finally, like I just ran away and I was like, oh my God, like I feel like I'm in a movie. It felt like an out of body experience. And I never thought this would ever happen to me. Like, whenever I heard stories of other people, I just, you know, never thought, like, I would be in that same situation. So I was fighting for my life. And I ran. I didn't have a flashlight. And I fell off a 150-foot cliff. And I did not think I would make it. I landed. And before I landed, like, I had all these thoughts, like, I'm only 23 years old. Um... Like, how are, how's my family going to react to all of this? My friends, um, like it was horrible, but then I felt like it was sort of peace where I just submitted to the fact that I was going to die. And I said, you know what, like, at least you had all this fun. At least you got to experience adventure. Um, at least you lived like a pretty full life for a 23 year old, um, like did so many things that like people in their seventies have never done. So um, I felt blessed, but then, you know, I was lucky for the opportunity to survive that experience. Um, and I fell and, uh, I remember the last thing I saw before my vision when I was like my legs falling down, like, you know, a lifeless raggedy and all. And I immediately thought that like my legs were amputated from the rest of my body because they like just felt so detached from, from me. Like the only things I was able to feel were my arms and, um, once I was able to see, I realized that like, I still had my legs, but I couldn't move them and I could only move my arms. So I was, you know, thinking about the movie, the Revenant at the time where like Leonardo DiCaprio mm -hmm. just escaped from a bear with his upper body strength. And I remember trying to do that, <laughs> but I failed. <laughs> so I just laid there paralyzed, uh, unable to move. Um, and I just, you know, started breathing, taking very deep breaths, trying to calm myself down. Um, I was so scared. Like I felt like a newborn all over again. And like at that point, like I just wanted my mommy and I didn't want to be independent. Like I just wanted like someone to take care of me and to comfort me. Um, because I was scared. I was by myself. Like I was in a foreign country. I was with a total crazy person. I can't even call him a person. Uh, animal. And, uh, you know, when you don't think it would, could get any worse, uh, the monster came down the cliff and found me laying there and he sexually abused me. 
like while I was, you know, just hopelessly on the bottom of a cliff, unable to move anything but my arms and unable to defend myself whatsoever. So there is nothing I can do at that point because the more I escalated, uh, the more he did. So I had to like sort of keep it calm, relax in order to tame this wild beast. And it worked. Like the more I treated him like a criminal or like an attacker, the more he became one. And so I had to like almost pretend that him and I were friends. And it was interesting that like he felt so, you know, sad and so guilty about my fall. But like his actions or you know, his violence was like totally acceptable in his point of view, which was messed up. But I guess he had like an inch of humanity left inside him to actually leave that morning and come back with people that rescued me. So then I was like hooked up to a harness and uh, a stretcher. And then like about like, 10 different men carried me down this cliff. Um, and I just remember the first thing I felt was the water and how clean that felt because, you know, I was covered in blood. I was coming, covered in this guy's sperm. Um, I was covered in dirt, bugs, like everything. It was, I was disgusting. So just feeling like a little bit of water in my body was just the most refreshing thing in the entire world. So um, I went from one clinic to two hospitals. I received immediately, immediate spinal, surg- spinal surgery that night. Um, my parents flew in from the other side of the world. Like <laughs> I, when I was in the hospital, I called my dad because they were demanding 800 bucks for me. And I was like, Hey dad, I need money. And he's like, why? I'm like, I'm in the hospital. And he's like, what did you do? And I go, I fell off a cliff. I can't walk. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like okay I'm coming and I'm like no it's okay like I'm fine it's not that serious and he's like but you just said you couldn't walk (laughs) I'm like it's okay don't worry (laughs) (laughs) we shouldn't be laughing about this but man you've got a good sense of humor yeah, it's a coping mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So then I was like in the hospital in Thailand for almost a month. And then I was flown to New York, um, stayed on Mount Sinai, which was a total third world country compared to Thailand's hospital. Just have to say. <laughs> and, really? Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Like everyone's like, you can't compare it to Thailand. And I'm like, why not? <laughs> <laughs> over there it was like just total luxury it was uh they had like state-of-the-art equipment um high ceilings i had a private chef i was staying in the presidential suite <laughs> i was treated like a <laughs> in thailand but then in mount sinai it was just disgusting and like fluorescent lighting and uh, i was i was freaking out wow. but but you know like there's a you know not nothing's perfect like you know, in every bad experience, there's always something good to take out of. So I'm grateful that, like, I, I'm still in touch with the support group there. And they have these virtual meetings on Wednesdays or Mondays. Well, yeah, they have, like, meditations on Mondays and they have um, regular meetings on Wednesdays. So 
they do like uh, rock climbing and they do uh, skydiving. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be, you know, connected with them. Um, so I think they're a really great resource, but living there was a total nightmare and I'm happy to be out. And I felt like it was so essential for my recovery to just get out of there and like really mm. like face real challenges in life. Um, like whether it's just like taking the stairs of a subway or, you know, going into my parents' house or, you know, just taking a shower on my own. Um, like being just faced with, you know, real life challenges, like going to the grocery store. It's not something that you can learn in a hospital. And it was just so essential for my recovery to be on my own. Mm. Holy. Uh, you, you, yeah. you, you, you told that with such cadence that it, I felt like I was running from the attacker myself yeah. uh and and i uh, sent chills down my spine i i feel yeah. i felt your fear and but also i felt your bravery and i felt your composure and and i think that's incredible that you had had that ability thank you um, yeah to survive that uh to survive yeah. the fall and then to survive you know, the attacker coming down after you mentally. It's a, that, lot, to, it's a lot to handle at, all at once. It's too much. So I'd like to try and unpack that a little bit if we can. Is this, you know, did you have this natural resilience already or did you realize you had the resilience you had? Um, what were some of the things that you were able to tell yourself to calm your mind? Yeah, so um, I've always been a strong person, but uh, my life was never put to tests um, in that way before. So it was it was so brand new for me. Like I've never been sexually assaulted before. I've never had to run away from anyone. Uh, like I've never been a, held hostage or abandoned for that amount of time. So uh, I think really like my yoga practice, my yoga background helped me a lot because mm. it helped me um, find peace. And, you know, calm the mind and, you know, you're, you know, people feed off of your energy. Mm. Like if you come off as like an angry person or a stubborn person or nasty person, you know, like that's how others will respond to you. So um, I had to behave in the way that, um, that I wanted I had to behave in the manner or like I had to have the attitude that I wanted it to receive from the person on the other side. And so by being calm, by, you know, taking deep breaths, by telling myself that it's all going to be okay, it's going to be over soon, just, you know, hang on, <laughs> like you're going to get through this. Mm. It worked. Um, you know, you just got to be patient in life. You know, sometimes we get super frantic and we run away from terrible moments, but you know, running away is only going to make it worse. And this, you know, certain things like you just can't hide from. Um, it's never going to go away by running. It's always going to bite you back. So you just got to stick with it. Allow whatever to happen to happen. Like accept the reality, and you know you'll make it through on the other side. But you know, staying present is super important. Mm. So tell us a little bit about your, you know, your injury itself and, and what that meant for you. 
what um um yeah so after i got my surgery um i was actually able to move my legs a little bit so it was very successful and but i i remember like being hooked up to all these uh e-stims all these patches to point my toes lift my ankles up because i couldn't do any of that on my own and so i would ask questions like to the doctors like am i going to get a full recovery um will I ever get feeling back in my feet again? And I thought these were like ridiculous questions. Like, of course you are, Hannah. Um, how, like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> I didn't understand. I didn't know what a spinal cord injury was. Like the first thing I thought of was my grandma because uh, she had a, a tumor in her spinal cord and that uh, prevented her from being able to use her hands and her arms. So that's, you know, the only thing that I was able to reference at that time was that like, oh, okay, like, you know, if you have, if you break your back or your neck, like it disturbs the connections uh, between your brain and the rest of your body. So that's when I started to like understand what was going on with me. But then I didn't fully know, like, I remember my friend texted me when I was super unconscious and she's like, you can't pee on your own. And I'm like, I can't. And I was like, oh shit, I really can't. Cause I saw like the tube in the machine. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. So like things like really started like in the beginning, I didn't believe it. Remember I told you, like I said to my dad, like, oh, it's no big deal. Like I'll be fine. I'll just recover here. Like Mm. I didn't understand what was going on. Like reality didn't sink in. And so people like had to almost explain to me how serious this was (laughs) because I thought this was going to be something that like I would recover from in maybe two months <laughs> and I thought I would have a complete recovery too. Um, so I didn't really know anything. And so when I asked questions like this to the doctors, they would say, I don't know if you're going to feeling back. Um, I don't know how long it will take. Uh, they were explaining to me that the spinal cord like grows maybe or recovers one centimeter a month. And I was like, Oh wow, that's way too long. And I didn't really believe it. Like I had this like drive to like prove people wrong. And um, I think the longer like I had the injury, like the more facts and the more knowledge that I gained. And just from talking to others and like hearing other people's stories, like my surgeon uh, connected me with somebody that he also operated um, on from the U.S. So, um, and then I, I started to understand that every injury is different. So it's hard to compare like uh, my psychologist knew this one guy that uh, was able to run again after five years after being hurt. And then, you know, I would meet other people that never gained any function back. So it really depended on the individual. So it was just, I think the hardest challenge for me was like this uncertainty. Um, It's like not knowing what the end result would be. Mm. And so like, you know, in the moment I had to just stop thinking like way too into the future. Um, I had to, again, focus more on the present moment and focus on like what I was capable of doing at that time. And I was, you know, I I felt very like encouraged by like, you know, the positive spirits around me. And I think that's what really helped me grow. Like um, I was in the newspaper shortly after my injury and some, you know, random guy from the Philippines mailed me a teddy bear and sent me a note, like, you know, the men here are way more respectful. And it was, it was just so beautiful, like, just feeling just all this encouragement and love from people all over the world. And, 
you know, even in a foreign country, like I had visitors, even though I barely knew anyone there. Um, so it just made me realize that like, you know, there's, I, there's this one bad apple that did this horrible thing to me, but then there's just, you know, way more love. Like you can't even compare it to the amount of love that is, that surpasses that bad apple. So, um, it really, it, it really, um, inspired me to just like keep pushing myself and just to grow and grow with the experience and, you know, like allow that to help me mature as a woman. So, um, at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm grateful for everything that has come my way and that has led up to, into the, led up into this point. Oh, I like it. I, I like, I like that you can find something good in any experience and there truly is, uh, you know, it truly is good that comes from every experience. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Actually, if you're listening to this and you know somebody that is in the hospital or has been in the hospital or even just somebody close to you that could do with a call or a visit or something, it's really important. It makes a huge difference. It's yeah. similar, similar experience I had with people I didn't know particularly well coming to see me or sending me a nice message or uh, – and that was that mean a lot that that really helped lift yeah. lift my spirits for sure absolutely yeah. but you know what it's not something that like i really became grateful for until now because mm. at that moment like i probably i didn't really want to see that many people yeah uh, cuz also like people would come by and everyone knew my story and it was like this big elephant in the room it's not like anyone's going to really talk about it mm. um because people feel awkward like it's just such a taboo subject um, did you feel shame? Was there any element of shame that yeah, you felt? Like I, absolutely. I totally blamed myself for all of it. I felt like other people were blaming me. I felt like my family was blaming me. And mm. it was just me also interpreting or deciding how other people feel. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was just like a lot of negativity built up. And I was embarrassed. I really was because my thoughts were like, I didn't have to go with that guy. Like I could have easily escaped the situation. Like I'm making other solo female travelers look bad. Mm. Um, I'm making the world look dangerous and I didn't want to like discourage other people from traveling by themselves. Um, I didn't like that. I was getting comments from people like I should have, I should I was stupid for being a woman and walking by myself. Uh, it, it just, it didn't make me feel good. So I felt, you know, a lot of like self-blame and the blame from other people. Yeah, I can see, I can see that. And I, I felt, I understand, I guess I felt a bit of shame for having my injury, you know, for being a bit of a, you know, just being a bit reckless and just, you know, the the hurt that I've caused my family and people closest to me and and just maybe even just shame of, of being a failure in some way. Do you know what I mean? Like just the feeling that I've, that I've failed in the eyes of society, you know, uh, I'm now a paraplegic and, and, uh, you know, but that's what we're trying to do with this podcast is change the, change society's views of people with disabilities and, uh, and, um, and just have an open conversation around that. You, you talked a bit earlier, Hannah, about, you know, 
have, holding on to this hope that you'd, you know, just walk and make a complete recovery. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment where you, you know, totally realised that that wasn't going to happen? And, you know, what was that moment like and how did you get through that? Well, I still hold on to that hope, but I have come to like a realization that it's a process and it's going to take a lot of time, like a lot more time than I originally thought. So, um, so what, what sort of physical limitation are you left with now? What, what sort of, how would you describe your, your, um, you know, what lasting, uh, effects do you, do you, do you have from your accident? Yeah, so uh, I'm still unable to move my feet. I can't move my backside. Uh, I don't have bladder and bowel control. Um, I have sexual dysfunction. So, but I'm still able to walk, which is mm. you know amazing. I'm I'm so blessed for that. But um, you know, like people, there's so many different types of spinal cord injuries, and everyone you know finds their own way of getting around. So it's not like one is better than another. It's just what works for your body. And so for me, I've just chosen to make the most out of my strength and, you know, use like all the muscles that haven't been affected by my accident. I use them collectively and I would like to engage everything that I have in my body because, you know, I could have lost it all. And so Mm. I like to focus more on like what I have rather than what is lost. And, you know, when it comes down to it, you realize that like, you know, you do have a lot. Um, and it's like, how come I was, how come I haven't been firing up my arms or like my thighs or like my stomach? Like, why wasn't I using those? What happened to those muscles before my accident? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate them, but now like, you know, I realize like, how valuable it is to have them. Mm. So you, you, your primary means of mobility is, is crutches, right? And some sort of splints or, or something like that on your legs. I got that right. So, so I do like I use different things depending on the activity. So, uh, if I'm going for a hike or if I'm doing a marathon, uh, which we could get to, uh, I'll use my crutches. But if I'm just gonna walk like you know two, three, four, or five blocks, or you know ten blocks, mm. uh, depending on how much time I have, like I'll just walk with a cane. And so when I'm walking with the cane, I need uh, it's I need more ankle support. Uh, I usually walk with my custom AFOs and I have like three different like braces, uh, depending on like my activity. So if I'm like riding a bike, I have braces for that. If I'm hiking, I have braces for that. Like if I'm just going on a date, I have braces for that. If I'm going to a wedding, I have braces. So it depends on like how, uh, how far I'm going, um, how much support I need and the occasion. So Mm. for like, you know, extreme activities, like, I'll get my crutches. I'll get my tornado gel tips. Like I'll get like my bulkiest pair of braces. I'll wear my biker gloves. Um, you know, but if I'm just like going to the movie with a friend, like I'll just wear a cane. I have like a whole collection of canes. I have like one with a snake's head. Uh, <laughs> I have my Moses stick. <laughs> I've started making some canes from scratch. So, uh, yeah, it's fun. You know, gotta, gotta be creative. Oh, uh, that's so cool. Yeah. I, I have two wheelchairs and I, one's my, basically my hiking shoes and my, uh, it's, it's one I use at the beach or hiking or whatever. And I, um, I had to sort of convince my insurance company that basically it's like a pair of shoes. You know, I, I've, I need, yeah. I need different pairs of shoes for depending exactly. on what I'm doing. 
Those shoes are expensive, right? Like most people just spend like 30 bucks, 40 bucks on heels, but we got to spend like thousands of dollars. Our insurance has to spend thousands of dollars on it. And it's like, you know, it's hard to get it. And they Mm. don't give, you know, they only give you a certain amount a year. So it's something that you have to fight for, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's, that's, that was, and we're very lucky in New Zealand. We have, we have a great, um, a public insurance scheme. If you have an accident, you're covered by the scheme, but it's really difficult to navigate. And, you know, well, you, 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 not, not as difficult from what I hear as it is in the US and other parts of the world, but um, mm-hmm. you, it takes a lot of your energy when you're trying to heal and um, learn new ways of living your life. Uh, yeah, it, it certainly was a, a challenge to, um, to try and educate your you know, insurance representative of your situation. And uh, wow. a lot of people don't have that ability to actually advocate for themselves or to put forward an argument. You know, you almost need a law degree to um, put forward your argument and to put forward your case yeah. for this bit of equipment. So, you know, thankfully with there's forums where people can, and, you know, in Facebook groups, et cetera, where people can share the knowledge they have on how how they manage to navigate the systems. Um, but yeah, it's, it's certainly tricky. Um, and I wish there wasn't so much equipment, but without that equipment, we would be, you know, our freedom would definitely be hindered. Yes. You know, 100%. So. Yeah, because you want to like open up your possibilities of yeah. going to the beach, going anywhere, like yeah. flying. It's just, you can do those things, but it requires technology and equipment Mm. that isn't always easily accessible, but it is available. And like you said, you have to become a lawyer (laughs) to, um, you know, get through to them. And it's funny you say that because like from a spinal cord injury, it's like, I almost feel like I went to med school and became a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) All these other professions from this whole journey that we've gone through. Hey Hannah, something you touched on before, you said, you know, bowel, bladder, sexual function has been impaired in some way. I'm, I'm really quite curious to know psychologically how you navigated that. And particularly, you know, you know, navigating a sexual assault is one thing, but then to be left with some core functionality and, and potentially, you know, especially sexual function, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that's a huge topic. It was, you know, certainly one of the huge things that I mourned and really struggle with, with my spinal cord injury. I'm just wondering how you made, made peace with that, how you've adapted to, to, to that. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, like I just didn't want to have anything to do with anyone else. Um, I felt so disgusting Mm. and like, I, I, I wasn't, I felt disgusting with myself to be honest with you. Like I just had no interest in other people, but then, um, like once I, you know, started, once I recovered more and once I like just got out there and started living my life, um, and wearing bikinis and going to the beach, um, like, you know, something changed. I'm like, you know what? I can still be sexy and have this. And at first, like, I felt kind of, I'm not going to lie, like, I felt kind of awkward about, like, posting, like, bikini photos on Instagram after being sexually assaulted because, 
like when those articles came out, like they took bikini photos of me and put it there as if like I was wearing that when that happened to me. Mm. And I felt like there was just like this bad, like stigma, um, against like women who are like asking for it. And, um, yeah, just, I, I just didn't want to be blamed. Like I was tired of all the victim shaming and, um, I cared too much about what people thought, but then, you know what, like something came across to me that said, fuck it. And (laughs) you're still you, you're the same person that you were before. Like there's no reason why you shouldn't live your life the way anyone else should. Mm. And why let somebody else like take your life away from you? So that's when I just let everything go. Um, I honored myself and you know, the injury and the story like made me respect myself even more than I did before my accident. It's like, now I'm just like super picky, like who I want to share anything with. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Like maybe beforehand I was a little too open and a little bit too trusting. And so now I have my guard up a little bit more and, um, I think it's a blessing in disguise, to be honest with you. Um, Like in the beginning, you know, I had a little bit like trust issues and I felt weird, but I've gotten past that. And I realized that like with, you know, the sensation and the feeling that you have in your body, a lot of it is the emotions and it's the mental. So if I'm with somebody that like I'm not comfortable with, like I'm not going to feel it. But Mm -hmm. if I'm attracted, if I like that person, then I will. So it's super, super psychological. It's not just like, you know, the touch or what it feels like or how much sensation you have. It's like a lot of it is what's going on in your brain. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Kind of speechless. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You're, um, you're incredibly brave and and also, I get the sense you're really very wise to um, to be able to to come come through that, and you know, to to feel as though you can be yourself again and love yourself uh, is it's not easy to do. Um, it's not easy to do, and, and to not feel afraid um, as as actually would be, I imagine, very very tough to to get through. Um, yeah, yeah no, it's, I, I guess I've always been a brave person, so it helps. And like, you know, if this happens to somebody else, I don't know, you know, everyone experiences it differently. And so it's not necessarily like the things that happen to you in your life, but it's the way you react to them mm. and how you cope with them. And so most people, I think, run away from their problems, like I said before, or they just accept like, this is it. And they don't open themselves up to other things, other windows. And so maybe like, I've just always been like super open-minded and I think that's what's helped me like, you know, find different ways to, you know, walk or, you know, hike or get out of bed or, you know, make myself breakfast. Um, and so I'm mm-hmm. also a vegan and, you know, even with the vegan diet, you have to be creative. You have to find like ways to still, you know, make your food very flavorful and still have the same amount of nutrients. Mm, for sure. 
How did you, how do you sort of broach the subject of your injury and your function, how, you know, your, your body's functions with somebody that you're getting intimate with, you know, that you've, you're developing an intimate relationship with? How do you, how, how have you, have you talked about that? No, I, I've actually never been asked these questions before. So <laughs> I'm a little speechless myself, but, uh, you know, I think I think things are like really the same as they were before. I don't think it's any different. Um, but I think like a lot of men still act the same, and I'm starting to like understand the way they are a little bit more, and so that's kind of affected the way I behave. Yeah, for sure. Hey, so tell us about. Um the New York marathon and your desire to, to do that. Uh, we, what, what made you do that? Um, so, uh, the marathon. So I've always been a runner and I did a half marathon before I got hurt. And, um, did you ever I think you'd do a, a marathon or a half marathon or run again? Well, you know, like I said before, I never really gave up that hope of uh, full recovery. To this day, I still believe that I'm going to run again, but just not right now. But I do believe that it will happen eventually. And so in the time being, I'm just running in my own way because I still get like all the adrenaline that I used to experience as a runner. And it's just a really great active meditation way to let go and way to just um, stay in shape and become more confident and become the best version of yourself. So, um, I like to just put myself out there with challenges. Um, so how do you run? How, how, how would you describe that for, for people listening to this podcast? Um, so I propel myself by placing two crutches forward and then hopping both of my legs, um, in front of my crutches and uh, I just keep doing that for miles and miles. Man, that must, I mean, it must have a tremendous load on your shoulders. Have you had to really be mindful of that? Um, As in, do you do, you do yeah. any specific training to, to prepare your body for this? Um. You mean like extra room, like exercises on the yeah, side? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, for example, as a wheelchair user, you're using a, you're using your shoulders to propel yourself and mm -hmm. you can develop imbalances. And I just imagine if you're, you know, if you're crutching the way you do, there must be extra load on your shoulders and your underarms and your arms um, propelling your body through like that. Are you, are you aware of that? And, have you, you know, is that something that you, you have to manage? Well, um, I'm using forearm crutches, so uh, I'm not putting any anything under my armpits, mm -hmm. just for you know, just your understanding. Yeah. Um, but it's a tremendous amount of pressure on my palms, and like I even have like something going on right now um, from training outside, which isn't so bad. It was much worse last week, but in the beginning, like I used to bleed, I used to get blisters, and. Um, mm. But, you know, once I started uh, working up the callus, then um, my hands were better able to handle the pressure. 
So I don't really do extra exercises on top of running, but I do a lot of stretching uh, because my legs and my muscles do get really, really sore from it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we were talking a little bit um, before we, we did this interview here around your yoga practice. Um, perhaps that's something you'd like to talk a bit more about and the benefits of that and, and you know, how you've had to adapt uh, the practice to your, um, you know, to your abilities. Yeah, so it's um, a great question. Um, I've been practicing yoga since I was in high school. So I was about like 15, 16 years old. And like, I was always a pretty, you know, I became a very good student over time, just from like the dedication and all my commitment. And um, I learned the basic poses. So like warrior one, warrior two, child's pose, downward facing dog, um, flow, just, um, and taking class, it was just like, you know, something that I needed to do a lot, like, especially in college where I was just overloaded with work and, you know, just dealing with like stress from family or friends or, you know, boyfriends or just any like drama in my life. Um, it was just a moment to myself to, um, to just take a deep breath and like exhale out just all that tension. And, um, it was just really great for my spirit. And it was just something that I loved doing, you know, when I went to Vietnam, when I was in Thailand, I loved doing yoga. I love taking yoga in different languages. And it was just a good way to just connect with others and connect with more positive people too. So, um, while I was recovering, um, I just one day bought a yoga mat, but like a really good kind where you can grip your body onto. It's called a jade yoga mat. And I just laid it out on my parents' wooden floor. And I'm like, okay, you know, I could barely walk. Uh, <laughs> I'm like about, you know, one and a half months into my recovery. And I'm like, let me just see what I can do. So I started going into a child's pose. I started doing downward dog. I started, you know, doing like half pigeon. I don't know if you know what all these poses are, unless you, you know, do yoga a lot. But I was just exploring my own body on the mat, not following any rules whatsoever. And I was actually even doing that in the hospital in Thailand. Like I, I remember one time, like I just had my legs up against the wall and the nurses walked in and they were like, what are you doing? <laughs> and <laughs> I'm like, I'm doing yoga because, you know, that's, you know, that's how I decide to heal and that's what relaxes me and that's what makes me feel good. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to do what my body's asking for. And not everyone really understands, but that's okay. It's like, you don't really know until you experience it for yourself. And sometimes you just have to like give yourself that space to just find freedom within yourself and, um, that's when I just started, like, you know, that's when I made the big decision about four months into my recovery to just say, you know what, like, I'm going to take my first yoga class and I'm just going to show up to the same studio that I've been practicing in since high school with crutches. And I don't know what anyone's going to say, but let me just see if I can do it. And I sat in the back, I placed my mat down, placed my crutches down, like, I used the wall if I needed to. 
um, I just used like whatever I had, whatever was there. And, um, slowly maturely, I, I was able, I could do it. Like, I, I'm like, this is, you know, not foreign to me anymore. Like things have changed in my body, but you know, the practice itself hasn't changed and I'm still the same person that I've always been. And so, yeah, like I got to do little things. Like when I'm standing up with my arms up, sometimes I have to put a stick under my armpit, but it's still the same pose. It's still the same feeling. Like I'm still getting, you know, the same energy from it. And, um, it's just something that I want to now give to other people and any type of person. It doesn't matter who you are. Like if you're a beginner, if you are disabled, if it doesn't matter, like it's something that every single person could benefit from because it's, it's so, it's so stress relieving. Uh, it's awesome. I, I stayed with, uh, Josh Dewick, uh, as a Canadian Paralympic, um, athlete and he does yoga every morning. He's a T10 paraplegic complete. And I sort of said to him, Oh, you know, why do you, why do you do that? Why do you stretch your legs? And you know, if you can't feel them and, um, and he just explained to me that, well, it's all a state of mind. It's it's about you know yeah. the energy flowing flowing through. You know your you, your legs are still connected to your body. It's nice to get the blood flowing through them. It's also nice to, um, you know, control your mind and calm your mind. And um, yes, and, and it becomes a sort of meditative practice that that helps mm-hmm. uh, relieve stress and all those things. And yeah, and, um, yeah, and it's your mind and your body working together. Mm. And so I kind of struggle like a little bit with these meditations, just sitting down and not doing Mm. anything and just closing your eyes and like not thinking. (laughs) Um, Like I'm getting better at it because I think that's a workout in itself. But I think I'm the type of person that needs to always be moving and I need to always just like be on the go. And so that's something that really helps me like distract. Like it's a good distraction from all my thoughts. Um, do you know what and I've been just, doing lately is I've been uh, using going to the sauna and yeah. and even though that's seated, what I do during that time is I stretch and I, and I, have yes. a, I stretch and I breathe and I close my eyes and I meditate. And, but at the same time, my heart rate is like 110 beats per minute. And because I seldom sweat now, it's, it's difficult to get a sweat on. Um, so it, it just, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's actually a really, really amazing cleansing experience uh, and calming experience and also exercise. Um, so I'd, I'd thoroughly recommend saunas for, for those that, um, that are looking for, I love that for that. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely love it. Um, two, two 20 minute, you know, 20 minutes in out for a cold shower, 20 minutes back in and I'm, chilled out by the end of it you know, totally chilled dripping in sweat totally <laughs> dripping in sweat it's you know it's a public sauna that i go to and so it's quite interesting there's you have some interesting conversations sometimes you know you're just wearing a pair of shorts so it it's also helps you feel at peace with the way you look you know it's not often that you um are in close proximity with people you've never met before semi-naked. 
So it's oh, okay. so it's a public sauna. Public sauna, yeah, exactly. It's like basically anyone can go in there. So it's it's actually a really good mental exercise to feel comfortable in your own skin. You know, everybody looks at you as you wheel in in your wheelchair. You know, so it's it's um, it's, it's challenging probably for them as well as it is for you. And I I like that. I think. Oh, you, you like know, it? <laughs> I like it. I do. I like. I like the the mental challenge, but I also like that I'm potentially challenging other people's views on um, a person with a disability. And and yeah. when it, you know when I can string together an intelligent conversation, some people are surprised. You know, they're like, "Oh, this You're wheelchair." Like, you know, this yeah, this wheelchair uses actually. I don't have to talk slowly to this person, and I don't have to fear them. They're you know like. It's, um, I think, in, in a small way, it's changing people's viewpoints. Um, well, yeah, because once you start, you know, opening your mouth and making conversation, like, people no longer notice the wheelchair. They notice you. Mm. And that's really important because a lot of the time the wheelchair user, they themselves paid way too much attention to the wheelchair. Mm. And, you know, they're projecting that on other people. And so, you know, other people are always going to see you the way you see yourself. And that's why it's so important to, like, heal and love yourself from within because then it's like, you know, once you plant the seeds, that's when your garden garden grows. But, you know, you can't have the garden without its roots. Yeah, very, very true. It is super interesting, uh, you know, going into a crowded room and and I've spoken publicly, I've pitched to investors, I've, you know, I've, I've been to lots of different um, sort of functions, black tie functions. And if you rock up in there and you sit tall and you're confident and you're, you're totally right, people, people, the wheelchair disappears and um, yeah. what you project comes back at you. You said that earlier. I think, I think it's so true. If you're, if you're confident and you're feeling comfortable about yourself, even if you're, even if, even if you doubt yourself inside, but you you're projecting confidence, you will get confidence, and opportunities will come your way. Um, yeah, people take you seriously. They take you seriously. They they totally do. They they're not a, you know, if you hunch down, your body language is hunched, and and you know, people people won't be so willing to to well, that, be you know, open that with you. Goes, yeah, that goes back to the yoga practice. So, which was a little hard for me to explain before, but thanks for helping me out. Um, it's, you know, all about, you know, your posture and the way you position yourself. Like a lot of the time, the way you, uh, the way you carry yourself and the way like you're sitting or the way you're standing, that affects the way you feel about yourself. Like the physical then Mm. has an influence on the mental and the spiritual. And so I think like certain poses, like mountain pose, you have both of your arms up and you're standing tall, like a mountain that, you know, changes, <laughs> that, that really, that, that improves your confidence just by doing this. And you can do it sitting, you can do it kneeling, like whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I've heard, I've heard people say that before you have a, an interview or, you know, some uh, important meeting, smile, you know, just, just, just smile because just that simple act of, of smiling will bring confidence and will, you know, um, it changes, just changes, changes your mindset in some way. And, and actual people, you know, over a conference call or, um, you know, maybe a telephone call, they can hear that difference. 
Justin, yeah. just by the way that you're you're sitting up, you know, uh, it's it's amazing what what yeah. Even if you're make. not happy, you should still smile. Totally, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's that's the point. It. Yeah, absolutely. So, tell us how it felt to cross the marathon finish line. Oh my gosh! Like, I was so relieved that it was over. <laughs> Why? It was so brutal. I was out there for 11 hours. I did it both years and I just <sighs> wanted to die. 11 hours. It's like the, just the biggest torture that I've ever put myself through. Oh, so, wow. What years yeah. did you do the marathon, Hannah? I did it uh, 2018 and 2019. <laughs> so the question I want to ask you is, you, you, why did you do it a second time? <laughs> what was it that made you do it again? Because once is never enough. <laughs> 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 uh, I just, I got addicted to it. I, I love it, you know. I hate it, but I love it. It's just... It's just, it be, once you do it one time, it starts to become a tradition and a routine. Mm. And it also forces you to like stay in shape and spend months of training. And so I almost feel that if I don't sign up for marathons, then I won't do anything or I won't work mm. out or I won't be in shape. So I like to, you know, make big commitments so that it, you know, motivates me to mm. keep pushing myself. It's like an accountability thing, isn't it? Once you sign up and yeah. you start telling your friends, oh, I'm signed up for the New York Marathon next year, you can't go back on it, right? I, I'm notorious for doing that. I'll tell people, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna buy a boat and sail around the world and all of a sudden, oh, I've got to go through with it now, you know? So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a powerful tool, actually, is to, to have those big goals and to yeah. commit to it. And when I first committed to the marathon, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Like, I didn't know how hard it was going to be. I had a similar experience. I found it incredibly brutal. It was so hard. Yeah, and you did it wheeling, right? I did it wheeling, which is, 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 you know, a fraction of the time. I did it in two hours and 20 minutes or something. And Did you use a push-rim wheelchair or a hand cycle? A push-rim wheelchair, yeah. Oh, those are much harder. They are, it was like a torture device for me. I just, it was, it was, oh, it was so full on. Oh, I see you're writing that torture device. Yeah, Uh, totally. I mean, yeah, it was was brutal, but yeah, but the camaraderie, the New York Marathon's an amazing event from the, you know, the spectators are cheering you on and it's this, you know, everyone's really supportive. It's, it's phenomenal. And I've got some good friends that I still have from that New York Marathon trip that, you know, this is bond that we've created. It's fantastic. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. But I'll never do it again because I, I just, <laughs> once is enough. <laughs> I was supposed to run it again this year, but it got cancelled. So now oh. I'm just signing up for virtual races. All right. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's- you know, I got to keep on moving no matter what. So it's a virtual race on like a treadmill or something. How does it work? Some people do it on treadmills, but you can just like, there's a window and you get to choose which day you want to run and uh, you just do it. You time yourself and you go wherever you want and then you post your results. So yeah, shouldn't lie about it. (laughs) That's cool. So you could, you could, you could walk 
or push, you know, um, a marathon distance around your city. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, right. That's cool. And that's what inspires me to do these marathons, even though they're so brutal. And I just got a, <laughs> I just got a kitty that I'm allergic to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I feel inspired to um, just see like every aspect of my city. So going through Chinatown, going like on the Verrazano Bridge, just seeing like you know how cultures change and how businesses change and, um, you know, how like my environment is, that's a huge part of running is like, you get to explore like your own jungle and you get to see like, you know, what's going on in every single direction. And so when I was, even before my injury, like I was super bored going on the treadmill. I just felt like I was torturing myself. But then when I have this like mental stimulation Mm -hmm. and I get to see like, all of these visuals around me, um, it's exciting. And especially like when people are cheering you on hard. Um, like I remember there's this one guy, like I was in first Avenue in Manhattan and there were crowds roaring and everybody was drinking alcohol. And so I just like crutched over to this one guy and he was holding a shot of tequila and then I just chugged it. <laughs> and I was walking over like, I had no idea what I was about to do. And, you know, the crowd just went ballistic. And then the last t- last year I did the marathon, uh, I was going through Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and there were people just in the middle of the street creating this human train. So you'll have, like, people on the left side um, extending both their arms, and then you'll have people on the right side, you know, meeting the people's hands on the left. And so it's like all these runners are going through this tunnel, and so you see runner, 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 crutchy girl. And people did not expect that. So when I came, I just went busting through the crowd. I broke that train and the crowds were insane. And it was incredible. Like I will never forget that moment. So that's why I do the marathons. That's what like, you know, motivates me to just like keep on going. It's like, I get to, you know, share my experience with New York city and, um, it's like we're we're having a party together. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I loved absolutely love New York City. It's such a such an amazing experience there. I found the people super friendly despite what you know I, I thought it was gonna be like. And again, yeah. it may may well have been our attitude to, to life and um uh, at the time, but yeah, I've, I found it reasonably accessible. We were able to travel around and um it was it was cool. It was a cool, 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 cool place to be. Uh, I'd That's love to travel. Good. Travel there again someday. Hopefully, hopefully someday. I don't know when, but um, yeah, I'd love to go back uh, for sure. So, if you had any some you know some advice for someone in a in a similar situation to yours right now, or some resources that you'd recommend, what what would that be? So, it depends on what you like to do. So, you know, if you like to go hiking, or if you like to do yoga, or Um, if you're an active person like me, um, like I personally, when I go hiking or when I train for the marathons, I like to, uh, wear these biker gloves and I put, uh, I wrap gauze around my hands Mm. to keep uh, my palms from swelling and blistering up. So that's like one thing I do. Um, I wear walk easy crutches. I, 
by tornado gel tips so that I don't slip. And a lot of time I have to keep replacing them because I'm putting so many miles on them, but it mm. is what it is, you know, but were you asking more in terms of like the materials that I use or what I'm wearing or more like a spiritual advice to give to others? Yeah, I think some of those tips, uh, you know, in terms of equipment uh, would be helpful. Mm-hmm. Were there any organizations out there that helped you or um, groups of people that you found um, helpful? Um, are, are there, you know, are there any sort of, how, how did you learn to, you know, about all these bits of equipment and things like that? Yeah, so uh, I just figured it out on my own. Um, I did some research, like I didn't want to wear like, those hospital crutches for the marathon. So I just spent like hours and hours on Amazon reading all the reviews. And um, I went through like, uh, you know, a couple of different pairs of crutches. So it gave me a sense of, you know, what I like. Mm. And so just from experience, like I just say like, I I mean, I would tell others to just like go out there and buy something. Um, Maybe don't buy something that's too expensive if you don't want to like waste your money or if you're on a budget, but just go out and buy something that you think will work for you. And if you find value in it, then you can start spending more money on it and you can start investing in it. But first you have to discover like what you like and what you don't like just from you know, buying shit and you know, mm. experiencing it. Because like, you could go out and read reviews, but everyone's different. And so everyone's going to have a different experience with, that, with the product or the item. Yeah. So... I just say, like, go take a risk, go take a chance. Um, my parents were telling me in the beginning, like, I wouldn't buy these crutches without getting approval from doctors. I'm like, well, like, the doctors don't know what I want. Um, like, they haven't been through my experience. So, like, you know, I'm going to buy based from my experience what I know is best for me. Like, my last crutches, they were good, but they were kind of heavy. So I want to get crutches that are like those, but lighter. Mm. Mm. So... <laughs> yeah yeah totally hold on to the things that you like and then you get rid of the things that aren't working for you but you won't ever know until you go out and take that chance it's totally a matter of trial and error isn't it i mean you just yeah. got to go through that um and and refine yeah, you know, i've been through so many leg braces they all break i've been through so many different doctors specialists you know i also i try to listen to people like i think in the beginning, I was a little stubborn and a little stuck in my own world. And like, like I know what I'm doing. Uh, like, I already see a good doctor, but then you're always going to find people along your journey that will recommend things to you. And so be open eyes and ears about it. Um, because I actually, I kind of regret not seeing this one doctor that my friend um, told me about. And, you know, that offer is no longer available now. But if I just like took the opportunity as it came, then like I could have had better leg braces. So you Mm. live and learn and um, yeah. Yeah. Just keep yourself open-minded because with a spinal cord injury, there's no one answer. There's no one thing. Like there's so many, you know, different, uh, different wealths of knowledge out there. There's so many different ways of life and so many different, uh, there's so many uh, perspectives. So I think it's mm. good to, you know, hear out all of them and then, then you can choose which ones you agree with and which ones you don't agree with. Mm. But 
Um, it's good to listen to doctors. It's good to listen to chiropractors, massage therapists, um, yoga teachers, anyone, you know, because everyone has something different to share. It's a giant research project, isn't it, really? It's, it's, it really is. It and is. I'm, still I'm not done learning. Totally. And things change over time, uh, and your body for sure. Over time. Yeah, that's very true. Very, very true. So what does the future hold uh, hold for you and what, what are some things that you're passionate about seeing changed in the world? In the world? Well, yeah. well one of my goals is to get more function back in my body. So I would like to um, be able to move my feet and wiggle my toes again. So I try to like, you know, think about it. Uh, I try not to forget those movements because a lot of the time, it just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not there or that it's not valid. And so I think I've been caught up into my reality of like only my arms are working or only this part of my body is working. And so like I forget like, you know, the missing pieces. And so mm-hmm. I'm trying to bring like all of that back and I'm trying to, you know, fire up as much as possible. And so maybe I'll I'll join some clinical trial soon or I'll um get some exoskeletons on, but, um, right now, like, you know, it's, it's tough because there isn't really that much available for someone like me. So it is something that I'm still, you know, searching for, but Mm. like, I also, you know, I'm not going to spend all my time, you know, doing that. Like I have to also enjoy the present moment and make use of what I have working for me. And I think it's good to, you know, find a balance between both of those things in life. Like not forgetting, you know, what you have and, you know, working towards those goals, but then also like being appreciative and making use of what you have going for yourself today, because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to like waste all those other aspects of your life. You know, if I was so focused on my recovering, then I wouldn't be out there doing marathons. So it's important to like also adapt and, um, find acceptance within your new body and your new life. Mm, Totally. Whereabouts can people connect with you online? You can find me on Instagram. My name is Hanita Mamacita. There's an underscore in between those two words. And um, I'm also on Facebook. My name is Hannah Gavios. And that's it right now. And I'll put some of those links in, in the uh, podcast profile page on our website at adaptify.com. Um, you also talked a little bit about going back to school um, to, to train in um, uh, rehabilitation counselling. Is that, is that right? And um, hopefully people will be able to, you know, use your service at some point in the future. Yeah, so the whole point of that program is to uh, – focus on the strength of the individual. And so a lot of the time, like we get like so caught up into this like false positive thinking. And um, I don't want to like necessarily like lie to the person and be like, okay, you're going to like, you know, run again, you're going to fly again. It's all about like making these realistic goals for the person, but it's, you know, putting more emphasis on their strengths and working with those strengths. So by finding out more about my client or my, my customer, 
I'll be able to like, you know, maybe do some research for that person on how he or she could achieve their goals, such as doing a marathon. Because for me myself, like I had to go out and find that myself. I had to find the crutches that worked for me, the leg braces, like a coach, the organizations, like the support. Like not everybody really knows about those things or has access and not everybody really knows what they're capable of. So I want to, you know, maybe, you know, put just more focus on their strengths with a more humanistic approach to things. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Sounds like a, a great thing to do and particularly given, you know, all your wisdom and, uh, you know, and the knowledge you've gained through this, you know, what's been a crazy ride, but also, uh, you know, incredibly rewarding in a lot of ways too yeah. for yourself. And there's just um, so much to give back to others, which is the beauty of it. It feels really good giving back. Uh, you know, that's, that's the main reason why we're doing this podcast is to share these stories exactly. is to, you know, I, I, in my early days of my injury, um, you know, I watched a video of, uh, of Josh Jewick and it filled me with so much hope. So I'm sure there'll be people listening and maybe watching this on YouTube one day that, um, that go, wow, damn, Hannah can do that. Um, so, so can I, I can do, I can do this. And, uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah. There's just, yeah, there's so much out there and you just have to go and find it. And I hope other people do that. So, yeah. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm, you know, really thrilled to connect with the community. Um, If you're watching this, feel free to message me on Instagram. Let's connect. And I'm happy to share my story with you. Thanks so much, Hannah. It's been wonderful. I've really enjoyed uh, enjoyed connecting with you. As, uh, you know, I was in the midst of feeling incredibly... um, kind of almost anxious as you were describing your story and then to bring some humor in it when you were talking to your dad about uh, not being able to walk and, you know, making light of that. I I went from feeling kind of tense to just, you know, incredibly um, happy. And, and, and so I think that the humor you brought to this also is, um, is infectious and it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, So yeah, thanks for sharing your story and, um, and for being so open and honest and, um, and for, you know, sharing all your knowledge. Yeah, very much appreciate it. Likewise, thank you so much for having me and having others on your show. And, you know, I'm happy to be another, what do you call it? Like, do you call other people adaptifiers? Yeah, totally. You are definitely an adaptifier. You are an adaptifier, totally. Officially an adaptifier, guys. Yep, totally. Uh, Yeah. It's been awesome to have you on the show and hopefully we get to, to meet one day in person. Um, yes. and hopefully, hopefully you get to spread your wings and travel again freely. Um, come on down to New Zealand. Um, you know, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll show you, I'll show you around a bit, you know, that's awesome. I'll let you know when I'm there. Perfect. All right. Thanks so much. Bye for now. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and meeting today's Adaptifier. To learn more about Adaptify and the products we have in development, products that will increase freedom for wheelchair users, go to adaptdefy.com. That's A-D-A-P-T-D-E-F-Y.com. We're also on all the major social media platforms at Adaptify. Follow us there for more behind-the-scenes looks and more up-to-date information on product releases. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Look forward to catching you next time.